0: We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening.
1: This morning will be preached from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. Don't you know that all the runners in the stadium run, but only one gets the prize? So run to win. Everyone who competes practices self-discipline in everything. The runners do this to get a crown of leaves that shrivel up and die, but we do it to receive a crown that never dies. So now this is how I run not without a clear goal in sight. I fight like a boxer in the ring, not like someone who is shadow boxing. Rather, I'm landing punches on my own body and subduing it like a slave. I do this to be sure that I myself won't be disqualified after preaching to others. May we be blessed in the hearing and the living of this, the word of God. Thanks be to God.
0: Got a lot of cords on me. Got to make sure I unmute the right one. All right. Good morning. Uh, thank you, KTs, both of you, Katie Brown, Katie Montgomery Mears. Appreciate you and your leadership uh, for reading for us and praying for us today. Uh, appreciate y'all so much. We're wrapping up a two week series. This has kind of been a sprint uh, through this past couple of weeks uh, about formation. And the kind of uh, argument I wanted to give to you last week was that uh, formation isn't a Christian thing, it's a people thing. That we're all being formed in every moment of every day. We're being formed by some external circumstance, by another person. And I kind of gave this scheme that our formation takes place by the stories that we tell and are told about ourselves, by the habits that we adopt in our life, by the relationships that we have. This all happens in an environment over time. And I concluded last week kind of with a tease to say, you know, last week the premise was the good news is you can change. No matter how drilled down you feel into your habits, no matter how old you are, no matter what background you have, no matter how solid you feel in yourself, you can change. Even if you're despairing about yourself, and I've been there despairing about myself, the good news is you can change. And the invitation I wanted to offer last week is that Jesus invites us to a life of transformation The scripture we heard last week was do not be conformed by the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind there's a difference between uh being conformed and a a difference between that and being transformed conformed is like there's a mold and you're squished into it and you become like whatever the external circumstances want you to be to be transformed metamorpho was the greek word is jesus changing you from the inside out we also say, you know, from the renewing of your mind, from your head to your heart, that your mind is changed about who Jesus is. And from that entryway onward, your life is transformed. You can change. And if you weren't here last week, that's just the abbreviated version of it. This is good news. You can change. And the other half of that good news for people that want to follow Jesus is that Jesus invites you to change. And that's not in spite of yourself, but it's because of yourself. Because God loves you so much in Jesus Christ, he desires you to change. And not in any sort of way, but in a particular sort of way. We talked about last week that uh, even people that don't follow Jesus, aren't religious necessarily, can look at Jesus and be like, that guy's compelling, you know. I want to be like him. I want to be more compassionate and kind. I want people to like raise their eyebrows and look at me quizzically when I say something. Like I want to walk around and feel wise. Uh, I want people to kind of look to me as an example of maybe they want to model their life after me. And that's kind of where we land today with this passage that Katie read from Paul's letter to the Corinthians that, okay, we accept the premise that you can change, and then now Paul gives this in 1 Corinthians a model or at least a metaphor for the way that we are transformed, and he uses the model or the image of a race. And we're all given a race. There's kind of a given understanding there. Run the race that you've been given and run it for a few different reasons and in a few different ways. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm so glad you're here as we kind of set the stage for the sort of place we want branches to be, a place that doesn't conform to any pattern but is transformed by the living love of Jesus around us. So with all of that in mind, with all of that uh, kind of holding it close to our hearts, this good news that we can change, let's invite Jesus to change us as we pray together. So let's pray. Almighty God, we, just in this moment, we take a breath. We breathe in the life that you give us. We find ourselves present in you. We recognize that you're all around us right now. We lay bare our hearts and just accept, even if it's hard to accept, that we can change. We invite you now in this moment to invade our hearts so that you can change us little by little, moment by moment, hour by hour. Use this time carved out to change us. Not in any way, but to be more like you. Amen. Uh, I'm in a, a cohort with uh, some friends, uh, pastor friends, and we go to Camp Allen from time to time uh, to learn, do a lot of hanging out, a lot of learning. I promise, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's worthwhile. I learn about church finances and leadership and preaching and all this stuff. And one of the things we had to do was my worst nightmare. We had to go back and watch a sermon of ourselves. I, I do this just so you know uh, to get better, I guess. Uh, Most of the time, though, I just listen. I don't want to look at myself, you know? Uh, And if you've ever had to do this for work, like go back and watch a presentation you've made, you're like, does my voice really sound like that? Like, do I really look like that? Like, do I really do all this weird stuff with my hands? Yes, you do. Uh, That's how you are. Uh, And you have to go back and watch so that you can fix things, not like, you know, so it's like, well, that's who you really are. Be different, be a different person. But there's some ways that you present yourself. There's some ways that you say things. Mine was always, I talked way too fast that it helps people, the people that are hearing you, hear you better. So we had to go back and watch ourselves. I went and back and watched a sermon from about 10 or 11 months ago, about 11 months ago. Uh, and I had just run a race, a trail run, a 25k. Uh, and then it was in preparation to run the Houston Marathon, uh, which I did. And I'm watching the, I, man, that sounded so like, which I did. I, uh, I, I did run the Houston Marathon. I did. I can be proud of it. I did it. Uh, so I was watching myself, and I was trying to listen for the content of my sermon and the manner in which I was speaking, but all I could think was like, oh, man, you look so much better back then. <laughs> uh, that outfit doesn't fit the same anymore. Uh uh, your face looks different. Like you, and you, you, seem like maybe a little more energetic, and you know, there's a pep in your step, you know. And I just knew, like in that time, like I was running a lot in preparation for the marathon, and so I was like watching myself, and that's all I could think about. And then I was reminded of my sermon from last week: you can change, <laughs> you know. And that goes one of two ways. <laughs> you can change for the better, and you can change for the worse. You can change and improve yourself in some way, and you can not change. And I can give myself all, all the excuses I want. and my friend Paul, who is my running partner, he moved away, and now I just can't, you know, manage to have the energy to get up and go on a run. You know, my wife, like she's she's incredible. She's gone to the gym like every day in the past like two weeks. Amazing. And she's like, "Do you want to go?" I'm like, "No. Uh, I have other things I need to do." Uh, which is not true. I'm just, you know, I'm not finding the motivation. And then I was watching this video, I'm like, you got to get back at it. <laughs> you got to get back out there. My time hop, you know, they give you little memories. It was like me and my buddy Ryan and my friend Paul standing after we finished that 25K, and I looked so happy and accomplished. I'm like, that could be you. You know, <laughs> you could change. And I'm just reminded of when I first got into running. I, I've shared this before. I, I've lived a relatively sedentary <laughs> lifestyle that's Another polite way of telling myself that I'm a little bit lazy, Uh, and in that lifestyle, like it took me. It was a lot of like there was an uphill battle for me to start running every day, and particularly to run long distances into the double digits, than to run the marathon. But it took, you know, I had a partner to do it. But I got so like as I do with everything, obsessive personality, dug really deep into the world of running. You know, Runner's World magazine. I got to have like three different pairs of shoes and wear one of them. I got to buy a new pair of shorts every week. I gotta like watch all the YouTube videos. There's this one, this is a side point that just really impacted me and moved me. If you uh, go on YouTube and search how to run 100 miles, it's this like half hour documentary that REI made about these two friends that ran 100 miles and like gets me motivated every time they finish the race. Spoiler, it's amazing, really, really great. But there's another one that I was really moved by, but also just interested in, uh, the Barkley Marathons. The subtitle is The Race That Eats Its Young. Gotcha. You're going to go watch it? You should go watch it. It's free on YouTube with ads. Uh, so go watch it. And the guy that runs it, his name is Lazarus Lake, and I think we have a picture of him. This is the guy that organizes the Barclay Marathons, and I emphasize the S, Barkley Marathons. You can't see, but his beanie says geezer on it. Uh, man, Lazarus One, his name's Lazarus. Very cool. Uh... uh He is a character, and he has been running this race, not running it himself like physically, but organizing the race. This is about 1980-something, 1985. Um, It's marathons because it's a loop race, and there's five loops, and each loop is between 20 and 26 miles. (laughs) And to finish the race, you have to run all five loops. So if it's 20 miles, that's a 100-mile race. If it's more like 26, which the people that have run it say, like, Lazarus is a liar, it's more like 26 miles. That's like 130 miles. Since 1985, only like 15 people have finished it, and a few of them have finished it more than once. Uh, they are inhuman people. Um, it's wild. Lazarus, uh, he makes the map. You can take the picture down now. Uh, he makes the map of this race uh, on his own map, and you can't use your own map of the course. He shows you the course, you take a blank map, and then you draw it out on the day before. The race could start, they give you a date, it's sometimes in March or April. Um, The the race can start in a one-hour window. The way that he indicates there's an hour till start is he blows a conch shell, and you could be asleep in your tent at this campsite. He blows the conch shell, and that's the start of the race. To register for the race, it's kind of an elusive process. There is no website, it's kind of by word of mouth. You have to write a essay to give to Lazarus, uh, why I should run the Barclay marathons, and it seems like pretty arbitrary who he chooses and who he doesn't choose to run the race. Uh, Your entry fee to the race is $1.60, which is a lot cheaper than other marathons organized around the country, but it's very prestigious. You must bring a license plate from your home state or country, also as part of your entry fee, if you're a repeat runner, uh, Laz will tell you what to bring and it somehow always lines up with his needs at the time. Socks, uh, socks, underwear, shirts, uh, camel cigarettes. <laughs> uh, and so he'll tell you that. Uh, bib number one is given to the person that Lazarus thinks is the least likely to finish. Uh, they are called the human sacrifice. Uh, so imagine going like, oh, I'm so excited to run the race. He's like, you get bib number one, you know. Uh, and you run this race. Uh, there's, it's a, like I said, it's a loop through the wilderness of Tennessee in the hills. Uh, it's the 20 to 26 miles around. Your bib number, you corresponds to, there's uh, six or seven different stations that have paperback books in them. To prove that you hit every station, you tear the page of the book out that corresponds to your bib number. So if you get there, and even if you ran the whole thing but you missed a book, too bad, so sad. Uh, And every time you finish a loop, you get a new bib number to rip out of the book. The first two loops are clockwise. The second two loops are counterclockwise. On the fifth one, if you're the first one back, you get to decide which one you wanna do, and then alternating every other one. I'm I'm telling you all of this, just, I'm not lying. This is how it goes. Uh, I have no desire to run the race, but I'm just so fascinated by it. Um, He doesn't shoot a gun at the start of the race. He lights one of those camel cigarettes that have been given to him, and that's when you start. You have 60 hours. Um, And just like I said, every spring, like last year, there were no finishers because the weather was so horrible. And Lazarus is this, this, you know, He doesn't really care, like you watch the documentary and he's not like this woo, let's go, he's just kind of like, do it if you want, in fact he's famous for saying good luck morons, uh, as they begin the race, (laughs) if you finish three loops by the way, which would be somewhere between 60 and 75 miles, uh, that's called the fun run, Uh, so if anybody wants to go through the fun run, uh, also, good luck i'm i'm captivated by this guy he actually used to be an ultra ultra marathon runner but now he just organizes his race and that's what he's famous for and these famous ultra marathon runners if you're in the world at all like i got so obsessed with they they are just you know captivated by it and they want to finish it and they want to finish it so many people have tried it over and over and over again and have never finished these crazy crazy people and he's famous for you know good luck morons and you know if you took good advice you wouldn't be out here things like that Uh, but he also said this and i I read this this week and i was just really moved by it honestly because i think it has a lot to do with our formation lazarus lake uh was uh, said famously at the end of a, a race where nobody finished he said to the runners this is you by yourself against all that out there he was kind of trying to give them encouragement like it's hard like it's one of the hardest ultra ultra marathon races in the world it's you by yourself out there with all of that i think that's a little bit what paul is talking about that's why he uses the metaphor of the race so he talks about the the arena that the people find themselves in and he kind of gives three points about this race he says in the race you run it to win it like don't run it just Because you're out there, but run it to win it. There's only one winner, he says. Run it to win it. Then run it on purpose. Like don't shadow box, he uses a kind of mixed metaphor here. Run it with the end in mind, run it with this aim. And then also, to our end about spiritual formation, he gives us this image of training over trying. Um, I can tell you that if you just try really hard to run a marathon, uh, you can't do it. You'll wake up one morning, you know, like, you know what, I'm going to put my shoes on, I'm going to run a marathon. Uh, you'll get a certain distance, and then you'll hate yourself, you know. Uh, you train, you take the time to do it. The same thing goes for a relationship, a friendship, or a marriage. Like, you train to be better together. You don't just, like, try really hard, or I want to be healthier, like, or I want to eat this certain diet. You don't just try really hard, you train day in and day out. And that's what spiritual formation is for Paul, and I think for the Christian faith, it's it's, training, not just trying. It's you, by yourself in some way, with all that out there. The elements, the stories that we tell, the habits that we formed, the people we're in relationships with in this environment over time. That's the scheme we gave last week. But if we're running the race to win, uh, we look forward to Jesus, who's already won the race. And so the, the race has already been won, and so we look to him as the writer of hebrews says the pioneer and perfecter of our faith like it's already been won just run the course that he's run and run it on purpose don't kind of like oh maybe i'll run today maybe i won't but like run with the end in mind that the race has already been won and, and train for the race we've talked about this with sabbath that you take small steps baby steps small bites every day at a time to rest in god that's what all spiritual practices are they're training not trying I don't know if you've been here before, but in my own spiritual life, you know, I kind of feel convicted. I hear a really good sermon or I read a really good book or watch a little clip of somebody talking. I'm like, all right, today's the day or tomorrow's the day if I feel like it to be like really holy and pious. Like I'm going to pray really hard and I'm going to read my scripture every day and I'm going to do I'm going to read the Bible in 30 days or whatever else. And then it's like three or four days into it. Somebody's laughing because I said read the Bible in 30 days. Yeah, you know, (laughs) that's trying, not training. And Paul is calling us, and I think Jesus is calling us, to train, not just try. So if we look at that kind of scheme that we gave last week, there's the stories we tell about ourselves, our worth, our value, who we are, what we're worth, uh, who we can be, the stories we tell ourselves, the habits that we've formed, you know, we have a habit, you know, you might look back on your life and, and kind of think, like, oh no, like, how did I adopt this? And you kind of see day by day, piece by piece, you made these little micro decisions and now you can't shake it. My dad smoked cigarettes uh, for a long time and then he, then he adopted nicotine gum for a long time. And it was like habit to habit to habit. Like we get ourselves in these things. And I remember when I graduated high school, I was like, hey dad, we're gonna smoke cigars. Do you wanna smoke cigars? And my dad was formed and good enough in himself. He's like, I know if I did that, I'd be at the gas station the next minute buying cigarettes, you know, like, we get seeped into us, even though we know we shouldn't do it or we don't want to do it, it's just latched into us. So there's the stories we tell, the habits that we formed, and then there's the relationships that we have, the people that we find ourselves surrounded by in church or at work or at home or in our neighborhood, it forms us. And then we said, over time, in an environment, here's the way of Jesus, here's what Jesus calls us to. If we look at the stories that we tell, if we want to flip that on the other side, there is a story that we should tell about ourselves really simply, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's the story. And there's so many beautiful facets to it. We read the scriptures, we listen to good preaching and teaching, when we watch Bible project videos or whatever else, to instill that story in ourself that you have infinite worth and value before you even know it or want it or desire it, not because of something that you've done, but because of God and who he says you are. That's the story. And if you've been a Christian for a long time, no matter how many times you hear it, there's always this moment where you're like, I need to be reminded of it. I've forgotten it. I've forgotten my worth and my value in Christ. So there's the stories that we tell in our Christian formation. There's a story that we tell, this Christian story. Two, there's the habits that we form. The other side of that is we just went through one together in Sabbath, what we call the spiritual disciplines, that we counteract the disciplines that we've done in ourselves of uh, habits that maybe aren't super helpful or maybe they're not even a some loss they're just kind of neutral we want to add something to our life and so in types of prayer and reading scripture uh, other things that we can do together walking prayer coming to the table or uh, going to worship on sunday those habits those spiritual disciplines form us into a particular type of person now last are relationships this kind of radical idea that jesus had of not just any old relationship but christian community that's sacrificial that's self-giving that's non-judgmental that's safe and comforting and compassionate that jesus calls the most um uh, different people into his community we kind of look at like both sides in jesus's day of opposite ends of the political spectrum opposite ends of the age spectrum opposite ends of the socioeconomic spectrum, and Jesus calls them all together to be in community, so different than how we're formed now. It's like, find people that are just like you, and they'll help you be more like you as you continue in your life. The way of Jesus says no, we tell the story about who Jesus says we are, we adopt habits that are going to form us, and we surround ourselves with people that also want that same thing over the course of time. Here's where I disagree with Lazarus Lake about our formation. Of course, he's talking about this Specific race, the Barclay Marathons, this 100-plus mile race, this achievement, this human achievement, this kind of sign of the indomitable human spirit. I want to make the case that to follow Jesus is spiritually like the Barclay Marathons. I think uh, many of us have been in a place where, like, I I start to read the Bible in a year in January, and then I drop off in Leviticus. Don't blame you at all. <laughs> uh, snooze fest. Uh, but uh, That just came out. Uh, (laughs) I understand, because it's one of those things, like, I I haven't been training for this. I haven't been taking small pieces. I'm just going to decide to read the whole Bible in a year. Uh, That we get born down, we convince ourselves, like, unless I'm like this holy, pious, glowing, floating hologram of a person, I've failed. (laughs) And Lazarus says about this um, race, this is you out there by yourself with all that stuff. The good news of Christian community is it's not just you. This is never just me and I work. And we live in a culture that so desperately wants everyone to be an individual. I'm, I'm an individual. I did this on my own. I don't need anybody else. We kind of look at that as an admirable quality. The, the way of Jesus helps us lean on and care for and be cared by other people. It's funny when people say, like, oh, you're, you're a Christian because it's a crutch. I'm like, yes, you know and I so desperately need it, and I need you, and we need one another. It's not just us on our own, out there individuals in the elements. It's us together to hold each other accountable, to give each other guidance and advice, to share maps and notes. Like, I think somebody else went up there, and they had a better time than going that way. (laughs) I think there's a water drop station there. I think there's a place where we can rest over there. I've heard somebody ran this race before, and they figured out some trick or some secret just down the road that way. Not only that, but Christians dare to believe that it's not just some guy 2,000 years ago who ran the race and it's like, okay, let's read his story and figure out what he did. There is that. but We also dare to believe that that same person is alive and walking with us as we run the race (laughs) because he's gone before us. He knows every path. He knows every place that we should go. It's not just us on our own. We're being helped in every moment and every time and formed, if we open ourselves to it, to the one who's already run the race. Last year when I ran that trail race, I ran it with two other people. My friend Paul, who's my training partner, my friend Ryan, who's just like a pro, uh, says maybe like five words every time you talk to him. Probably the wisest, smartest, smartest person I've ever met. Uh, just kind of always processing sort of person. And uh, this this race was two loops, and you did uh, both loops twice. And so I was three quarters of the way done. So I had already done the first loop twice. I was on my uh, second time of the second loop. So I only of yeah. the first loop, I only had the second time of the second loop to go. Details, doesn't matter. I was three-quarters of the way done. Let's just land there. And I was at this weight station and I was eating some snacks drinking some water. I was like bent over. This woman ran by. She looked like a gazelle. I hated her. Uh, she was like, you got this. You got this. Which race are you running? I was like, the 25K. I was like, which race are you running? She said, the 100 miler. And I'm almost done. I'm like, shut up. Go away. You know? And I I was, this part of the loop, this three-quarters of the way through is right by where the cars were. I'm like, maybe I'll just go stand by my car. Maybe I'm done. I don't need a medal. Who cares, you know? And Ryan, quiet, wise Ryan, I could hear him. He had just finished. And he goes, Colin! I'm like, (laughs) ooh. And he just goes, go. I think about that moment all the time. One, because Ryan is just a precious friend to me and that binds us together forever, that I probably wouldn't have finished if it hadn't been for him. That's what I want this place to be for us. That when you're down and out, when you're hurting, when you're about to quit, when you think it's not worth it, for this place, when people, are maybe there's somebody that's just a little bit ahead of you, (laughs) maybe they've figured it out, maybe they're in a little bit of a better state, they can shout your name and they can say, go. It's worth it. You can do it You're not alone. You're three quarters of the way there. There's a horizon. You've trained for this. You know what to do. God is with you. Go. That's spiritual formation. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Is to together, arm in arm, hand in hand, ears and hearts open to the voice of God, to listen because he's saying in every moment, go, for I'm with you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you and I've carved out the race ahead of you. It's not you alone and all that stuff out there. It's us us together with Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, in every moment, hearing, shouting, celebrating with us, go. Let's go. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, I don't know what each of us have brought into this space today, but you do. And some of us are doubled over. (laughs) Some of us are longing for just a little bit more energy, a little bit more spirit, a little bit more of you. Some love, some compassion. Help us hear your call. Help us hear your voice. Help us hear your invitation to go. Thank you for going before us. Help us see you in the path you've carved for each one of us. Help us run our race. Help us know that you're with us in every step. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.